Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're with us today. We've got a lot of good questions coming up, and uh, we hope one of them was one you called in, perhaps. Uh, we get all of our questions. Everything we do on this program comes from our viewers, so we're trying to keep up as best we can. And if you've got some questions for us, we'd like to hear them. There's a website and a phone number on the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about. A specific verse, maybe explain this verse to me. Maybe a doctrine. Is it really what the Bible says? Or maybe something in your life or in the news that you wonder, what's the Bible have to say about that? We'd be happy to try to answer those kind of questions for you and promote some Bible study is what we're here for. We advocate Bible study and we believe the Bible is God's Word and we like to study it with you a little bit each week and let you decide what we study with you. So give us a question and we'll get to it as quickly as we can. Let me introduce Toby Levering, my partner in answering questions here. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're back and studied up and ready to go. You know, like I said, we got some good ones coming, uh, but we always start with one for our viewers, see if they know a little bit of Bible knowledge. And this one is the businesswoman uh, in the New Testament who sold purple cloth. Sounds like a strange job to us, but that was a big one back then. Uh, there was a special businesswoman that uh, was a purple cloth seller, and we'll see if you know the name of her her name at the end of the program. Uh, Toby, we're going to let you start first because you drew the first question, so yes, get us started. All right. I have a question similar to one I answered last week, and it is for Christians who have already died. Where are they at this moment? I'm confused about everybody being caught up at once in the rapture, and I don't blame you at all for your confusion. There's a lot of uh, misleading teaching uh, concerning the end of time and the rapture. To answer your question directly, uh, Christians who have already died, uh, they are in uh, Hades, which is the realm of the dead, and if they were faithful Christians, of course, uh, they are on Abraham's side, the side of comfort, and uh, they are uh, present with the Lord. And now, um, uh, what about the rapture and all of that? On this program, as with most churches of Christ, we do not... <laughs> we. Uh, let me interrupt. I've, okay. got, I've got a question coming up next about okay. the rapture. Okay. I didn't tell you that before, okay. Ann, but uh, I'm going to get into that in a little detail. Okay. So. All right. <laughs> well, basically, the concept of the rapture is not taught in the Bible. Uh, much of it is just basically comes from conjecture, piecing together a lot of verses from Revelation. Uh, but we believe uh, that there's a, that there will be a final resurrection, but it's not what you might read in the Left Behind series or something like that. We'll read a couple of verses here, uh, a little bit lengthy, but just to give you a, a picture. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and the, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, been 2,000 years since those words were written. And so I go to Second Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And this is what he reminds us. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Now, hopefully this, this will set up Steve and, and help him uh, explain further detail about the rapture, what it means and what it doesn't mean, uh, and what the Bible says about that day. I hope that helps you, and uh, you'll get more detail here in a, in a couple of questions. <laughs> All right, Toby. I'm sorry for interrupting okay. you there. I'm sorry for not uh, getting that scripted out right <clears throat> so you knew what I was coming up with next. But uh, if you'd explained it all, then I wouldn't have anything to do go. right now. So. <laughs> Don't be awkward. <laughs> I figure I better stop you. <laughs> all right. I, there's kind of a follow-up question to the one he was asked about where are people right now. And the viewer specifically worded it this way. Do you believe in the rapture? And uh, where in the Bible does it tell us there will be a rapture? Well, like Toby said, the rapture is a very popular idea right now. And he mentioned the Left Behind series. Uh, that popularized it a few years ago, and they made a bunch of movies over it, about it. Uh, and it is kind of interesting idea. It's an exciting kind of concept and makes a good novel. In fact, I read the Left Behind series just because it was a pretty good novel when it uh, started. He <laughs> went on a little bit too long, I thought, but <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good, interesting creation, uh, interesting fiction, but that's exactly what it is, fiction. Uh, that's not in the Bible. Uh, a lot of verses are misused and taken out of context to come up with the theory, but it's not in the Bible. In fact, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Uh, the concept is there, but the word itself isn't. So, no, as described in Left Behind and all popular premillennial kind of theory. Uh, no, we don't believe in the rapture. We don't think that's the way things are going to end. Now, do we believe in a, a rapture in the true sense of the word? Yeah, that's in the Bible because the word rapture simply means caught up. It means being transported, uh, caught up to a different place. And that's in the Bible. In fact, Toby read the whole verse. Let me read just part of it again for you in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And Paul explains about since people have died, what's going to happen to them. And he says the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, now some people that believe in a left-behind kind of rapture, take that verse and put a big delay in between there. They say the dead in Christ will rise. That's the day when the bumper stickers come into play. The, in the case of rapture, the, this driver will, this pilot will, this car will be driverless or something like that. Uh, I tell I don't read bumper stickers too often. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's that concept. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And then there's going to be years of tribulation and years of this and years of that and years of God reigning. And, and then 
everybody else is going to read. No, that verse is about one day. The day that the Bible talks about so often will come. And Paul's just saying, don't worry about those who have already died. They're going to be called out of their graves first. And then if we're still alive, we're going to go right up and meet with them. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me read a verse to you. John chapter uh, 5, verses 28 and 29. Do not be amazed. A day is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. All who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So there Jesus explains it. Uh, there's going to be a day, the day, when Jesus comes back and there's going to be three groups of people. Uh, dead people who were righteous, dead people who were wicked, and people who are still alive. And it says everybody's going up. They're going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. It never says Jesus is coming back to earth. Uh, we're going to meet him in the air. Final judgment will be executed and we will go to our appointed place. So we think that's how the Bible explains the end of time. All going to happen at one time. It's going to be the day is the way the Bible describes it over and over again uh, when Jesus comes back and nobody knows when that day is. Uh, so my bottom line on this is whatever you want to believe about the rapture or no rapture or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's over when you die. So be ready. Uh, either you're going to die and it's over, or you're going to be alive when he comes back, and then it's over. So be ready whichever way you want to believe. But the Bible doesn't teach a rapture and then tribulation and then thousand-year reign and all that. Uh, very clear there in First Thessalonians that he's coming back and everybody's going up So for judgment. All right, I think we got that answered in a couple okay. of parts, perhaps. I, I so. think we did. All right. A third question is not about the rapture. It actually is about anger. A viewer wants to know, is anger a mental illness? Uh, my answer to that is no. Anger is a God-given emotion. Uh, we know even Jesus got angry at times, and that doesn't mean he was mentally uh, ill. Um, anger does not uh, mean... Uh, me equal a mental illness. I will say that if you have a mental illness, it may partly manifest itself through the inappropriate use of anger. But just being angry doesn't mean you're mentally unstable. Uh, it's probably a sign of a healthy mind to some degree if it's kept in, in check. Uh, and it, indeed, anger can lead to a lot of trouble if it's not used properly, can lead to sinful behavior and wicked actions. <clears throat> Now, if you struggle with a mental illness um, or you're having some uh, difficulty in that area, uh, you, have, you need to seek professional counseling. A Christian counselor would be good. If you're struggling with anger, a good program, a ministry like Celebrate Recovery would be very helpful uh, to you. There are people who have legitimate anger issues and they need to work how to uh, control that in the right way. Uh, no, anger is given to us by God and used in the right way. We should get angry about some things. Uh, there's a, such a thing as righteous anger like Jesus exhibited. Um, but uh, when it's exhibited in a selfish, sinful way and it's about us and it's just uh, about ourselves, uh, we can get into trouble pretty quick. The Bible addresses anger in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Let's read that together. 
In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So, it's emotion like all emotions. We have to uh, keep them in check, but they are given to us by God for a purpose to be used. All right. Thank you, Toby. Let me uh, invite you to uh, study the Bible with us uh, outside of Know Your Bible. We've got some free Bible study materials that we're happy to share with you if you're interested in studying the Bible. And if you're watching this program and regularly watch it, you probably are interested in Bible study to some degree. Uh, but we think Bible study is one of the best things we can do in life. It helps us know what God's will for us is. And we know some people have a trouble getting started in a regular Bible study. So we've got some ways to help you. Uh, we've got some tools that we'll be happy to send you. And this course you see on the screen is the first one. There's eight lessons in it. Uh, starts with a very basic description of the Old Testament and the New Testament. A lot of people don't understand that. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? This study will help you figure that out. And once you figure that out, you're well on your way to understanding the Bible a lot better. So we provide that free of charge. We even pay the postage both ways. If you want to study the Bible, we've got some good ways for you to do it. All you got to do is use that phone number, that website on the screen. Let us know you'd like that free course. Here it'll come. Uh, nothing bad will happen. We don't put you on a mailing list. We don't ever ask you for money. Uh, we just provide some study materials, and it's up to you how long you study and when you quit or how fast you do it. Uh, we just got the tools and let you use them the way you want. So if you're interested in that, give us a call today. We'll get it started. All right. Uh, Difficult question here in many ways because I'm going to have to talk pretty straight to this uh, viewer. Uh, says, my husband died and I'm struggling with the loss. My daughter went to a medium and was excited to learn uh, that daddy was still with us. He had not crossed over yet. What does crossed over mean? Well, I realize this woman's excited about this for some reason and, and all that and wants to know what it means exactly. Uh, but what I've got to say is, number one, I'm very sorry for your loss of your husband, uh, but I'm also sorry that you've drawn in, been drawn in by a con artist, uh, somebody preying on your emotions and your grief, and that's what's happened here. Uh, to answer the direct question, crossing over is a term that mediums and psychics and people in that scam business use to refer to a dead spirit crossing over from this world to the next dimension, however they define that next dimension, uh, but the crossing over, and they go on to talk about how some spirits can't cross over or don't cross over, and they get stuck in this plane or in this dimension, uh, which is absolutely not biblical. Nothing about that in the Bible. Uh, it's just the term that psychics and mediums and other folks like that use. Uh, I did a little research online and looked up a few mediums websites just to see what they said about this. Uh, one of them said that uh, there's reasons that a dead spirit can't cross over. Uh, sometimes they're afraid to cross over, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, secondly, is they've got some things left to do here on earth that they, they want to get done, uh, which didn't make any sense to me either. And the last one is because sometimes their loved ones that they've left can't let them go. 
and they have to stay around to help that person deal with it and all that. Now, the only way that made sense to me was, is, ah, there's a good way to make money, is you can talk to these loved ones that are left, tell them this story, and get them to come back for more readings and think they're talking to their loved one uh, who they can't quite let go of. They're still grieving. So anyhow, that's what I learned online. Uh, John Edward is a guy that had a TV show called Crossing Over, and that was his racket, was he supposedly talked to these dead spirits and let people, their loved ones, know what these people were saying from beyond the grave. Uh, it's a scam. It's uh, You don't talk to the dead. Uh, God tells us don't even try uh, because you're relying on somebody else than God. Uh, let's look at a verse that says that and once again I said I'd have to talk pretty straight to this viewer well this was verse is pretty straight uh, this is whoever that medium is that your viewer your daughter went to if they'd lived back in the old testament days here's what would have happened to them let's read from Leviticus chapter 20 a man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer that's somebody that talks to the dead shall surely be put to death they shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Uh, in case you can't read between the lines, God does not approve of mediums. <laughs> he doesn't think they're uh, a good thing. And it's not because they can talk to the dead. It's because they profess to talk to the dead and rely on that or try to get information uh, that's not godly. Uh, they're giving out false information. They're creating false hope. Uh, this poor woman and her daughter uh, are grieving, obviously. And here's somebody that's giving them some hope. I can let your loved one talk to you. Well, you can't. It, it, that's not the way it works. So, very sorry for this lady and her daughter. My advice, stay away from the medium. Uh, go to a grief counselor. Go to... Uh, some most mortuaries have some information you can read about uh, grief and how to deal with the loss of a loved one and all that. Uh, number one, you'll save a lot of money, and number two, you'll actually do some good. Uh, just stay away from the mediums and the psychics and all of that. God warns us, stay away from them. All right, Toby. Okay, if viewer wants to know, do people suffer, <clears throat> and do people suffer forever in hell, or are they destroyed? Uh, the scripture, uh, the scripture indicates eternal torment. Uh, the reason some people may wonder why they're asking this question: there's uh, some modern teaching. I, I don't know if it's modern. Maybe it's maybe it's been uh, rehashed old teaching, but it's popular uh, in the modern age uh, for people, especially because hell is a particularly unpleasant subject. No one likes to think about it. it sounds awful and horrible and uh, no one likes to dwell on it and there are some churches that won't teach on it and I, I think that's wrong because uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that hell is a very real place, it's an eternal place and it's a place you don't want to go. Uh, by my count, 14 times it's mentioned in the New Testament and 12 of those times are Jesus himself. And the way he describes it, it is a bad place. Uh, I think it's designed to be a very strong deterrent uh, to make sure that we uh, heed the words of Jesus and understand that uh, the only way to the Father is through him and uh, that we can only get into him through faith and repentance 
and baptism. Now, the way Jesus describes hell specifically, uh, I mentioned a couple of those verses, Matthew 10, 28. These are not going to be on your screen. But Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear, this is Jesus talking, those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 5, again, Jesus speaking, says, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Uh, he wanted, uh, you know, people to have a, a, a real fear of ending in the... Uh, ending up in the wrong place eternally, uh, in, a, in a place that can't be changed, a place that doesn't end. And uh, the way he describes it, goes on to describe it, it is a place of agony, darkness, fire. Uh, the, the descriptor of weeping and gnashing of teeth is used often to describe hell. Uh, some some of the modern uh, teaching about hell kind of reformulates this and says hell is basically a place where you once you enter into it basically God just wipes you out. The best example I can think of is like a nuclear blast; it just obliterates everything, and that's when people go to hell they are obliterated. Uh, so there's no agony, there's no torment. It's just a complete uh, obliteration and a wiping out of of your existence. Well, that's that sounds interesting, but that's not what Jesus described. Um, he told a story about a rich man who died, and his uh, and, and a beggar named Lazarus who uh, begged outside his gates. And he described this in Luke 16, and these verses we will read on the screen. And this is how he described it. And in death, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of, of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Okay, see, to me, it's very clear he wasn't obliterated. He was aware, he could talk, he could communicate, uh, he could experience pain. So I think hell's a very real place, and if we don't understand that, the truth of what the Bible says will never take the warnings of Jesus seriously. So take him seriously and uh, be prepared. Yep, I think you're right. Uh, eternal torment or total annihilation, I'm going to go with heaven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Whichever one it is is bad. <laughs> Okay, if you were asked, uh, who was Moses' teachers? And I don't think we've ever got this question before. It made me think a little bit and uh, made me realize that Moses had a pretty good resume. First 40 years of his life, he was taught by the Egyptians, the best of the Egyptians, the uh, great teachers in the house of Pharaoh, and he had his mother helping. Jochebed got to help raise him. We don't know how for how long, but she taught him some things about God. So had a pretty good first 40 years. Second years, he went to agricultural college. He was a shepherd, and he learned about the things of the earth and how to take care of sheep and the life out there in the wilderness. And then he graduated to the last 40 years of his life. God was his teacher. Uh, from then on, he dealt face-to-face -face with God. He went into the tent of meeting, and God told him exactly what was going on and what he wanted him to do and gave him the law and all of that. So Moses had a lot of teachers. Uh, maybe what our viewer meant was the first part of his life, and that was the Egyptians. He lived in the palace of Pharaoh and got the best education that was possible in those days. So that's who had Moses teaching and raising up. 
may take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. The Churches of Christ keep this program on the air and uh, provide us with the opportunity to study the Bible with you. And we like to mention some each week and tell you about them. But today let's talk about the Moline Church of Christ up in Moline, Illinois. If you're watching on the Quad Cities broadcast, you're close to the Moline Church of Christ probably. Great bunch of folks there. The preacher's Lance Love, a great fellow. I've dealt with him a number of times and does a great job in the community there, been there a long time, and you'd enjoy hearing him preach the Word of God, uh, drop in and visit them sometime. Maybe you know somebody that attends the Moline Church of Christ, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible, and you appreciate them providing it for you. Of course, whatever area you broadcast you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. We invite you to drop in and visit them, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, Toby, we got time for one more? I think yes, here. I think so. Viewer asks, why did Jesus have to endure such torture at his death? Why didn't God allow a more humane death? <clears throat> well, indeed, the death of Jesus was actually a terrible thing uh, physically, but even worse was the eternal suffering, uh, the separation from his father that had never endured uh, to that point and never since. Uh, the scripture <clears throat> uh, tells us that sin always brings suffering. Uh, whether it came in through Adam and Eve, when they brought uh, sacrifice had to be made, whether it was the old law, whenever there's a sin committed, a sacrifice had to be made. Sin always brings suffering and death. Uh, that's why God doesn't want us to sin. And so when Jesus took our sin at the cross, <clears throat> he suffered. Uh, it was a suffering, by the way that God had planned from the moment sin and suffering entered the world. And that wasn't a surprise to God. He knew that was going to happen. But Jesus took our sin and suffering so he could save us from sin and suffering. He suffered, as we said, physically to be sure. But the greatest agony uh, was the spiritual suffering when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why he did that? Because he loves you. Uh, let's look at a scripture together for First Peter chapter 2. Verses uh, 23 and 24, this, uh, Peter writes this about Jesus. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Sin always required a death. Uh, sin always required a sacrifice. Jesus' blood was the perfect sacrifice that was made once for all that we might finally uh, be reunited with God uh, through Jesus and His sacrifice that He made. It was a terrible death, uh, but it had to be done because of our sin. All right. Thank you, Toby. Good answer and uh, good question. We thank our viewers for your questions today. Uh, help help us uh, learn a little bit more about the Bible. So we appreciate it. Let's answer our trivia question for the day. And that was about the businesswoman <clears throat> who sold purple cloth in the New Testament days. And her name was Lydia. And if you wonder about purple cloth, that was a very rare thing and cost uh, a lot because purple was hard to get as a dye. So she was a pretty affluent businesswoman probably and was converted to Christ and uh, was baptized into him. So great story about Lydia you can find in the book of Acts. Glad you've been with us today and we're going to come back next week and answer some more questions. We just uh, keep on working on them and you keep giving them to us and we're happy to answer them. So come back next week and we'll have some more of your questions. Until then, you have a great week. The best of the Lord's ever
Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.